Hello and welcome back to the Press of Matters podcast. It's been a little while, but we're back with a vengeance. Uh, Toby, hello. Hello and good evening. I should probably say something. Yeah, we've uh, a little hiatus for us. A long and extended break after the international break, hey? We need a little bit of extra time off to catch up on all this football, hey? Is that what we're saying? Is that the excuse that we've yeah. got? Yeah, I think I was in France, actually. Yes, you were in France, actually. And then maybe it was an international break? Okay, so we're we're gonna sort of loosely cover what's been going on since you've been away. Uh, there's been some some shakeups in the Premier League, uh, especially looking back at our predictions. Uh, suddenly, feel very wrong in many ways. Jaden Sancho has deleted his Instagram. Uh, Victor Osman has been called a coconut. Yes. Uh, but we're just gonna go straight into the North London derby, uh, the big game. From the weekend, um, I think it was right. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean they don't come much bigger than that, do they, Sam? The old North London derby with uh, a title chasing Arsenal and a resurgent Spurs who were loving Big Ange instead. So uh, it was all sort of set up to be a fantastic game, really, wasn't it? And uh, it was enjoyable. I did, although I've got no evidence or grounds to claim this on, I did actually say two-two to someone. But I can't remember who. So I can't remember who I need to go and chase down and say, um, show me the proof, you know? But I did say it to someone. There you go. You're just saying saying scores to everyone. As well, I'm actually so. just saying it to everyone that I see in the in the street. Um, D- different score every time? All of the, yeah, the different combinations. Um, and then I can just claim, well, I said it to someone. And it's actually working pretty well, you know? It's working pretty well. Yeah, well, I thought Arsenal would uh, smash Spurs. Um, this was after Arsenal won four 0 against PSV in the Europa League, which was a just a perfect game from every player. Um, I brought Trossard into my FPL team, and then he got injured like on the day, basically, um, which was yeah, it was a bit of a shame because uh, we had that Enketia and Jesus together for the first time in the front three which uh yeah a lot of people talk about we'll we'll talk about this later but I think the the main feeling from the game for Arsenal fans is that it it is a disappointment not to win Uh, I think you watch the game and it just it felt like Arsenal should win Uh, dominating in the first 35 minutes it was very exciting to see um Arsenal's Pressing, just totally um, nullify Ange's whole philosophy. Uh, but yeah, just just mistakes. And it reminds it reminds me a lot of um, last season when you've seen Arsenal just not make it count at important moments. A, a lot of time, actually, watching Arsenal is like uh, Schindler's List. Right, I've never seen Schindler's List. Uh, you always you always think you could have done more. You're you're filled with regrets. Uh, you know you're looking at <laughs> okay when Arsenal came came fifth. They were like, wow, could we have got Champions League that season? Could we have won the league the season after that? Uh, and you're looking at the Spurs game and you're like, could we have beaten Spurs? And the the answer is definitely yes. Arsenal definitely could and and should have beaten this this Spurs team. Okay. Um, it was a it was a case of that we've seen a few times is failing to capitalise on 
opportunities is is the big thing and making mistakes okay um i've got a few things i mean how much do you want to go into the game i've got a few sort of questions i'd like to put to you as an arsenal fan obviously there is the ramsdale raya debate slash situation it's a little manufactured i'm gonna say um i uh no i don't think it's manufactured at all sam I'm going to give a shout out to um, Aaron Ramsdale's dad for uh, calling Jamie Carragher a disgrace for sort of... Uh... For, for He said that the, the clap was like when you're an Oscar loser and, you know, you've got to practice looking good because the camera goes to you. But do you not think that Mikel Arteta has essentially created this whole farcical situation himself anyway? So I, I appreciate that you say it's manufactured, but... And and you're you're right, but I think Mikel Arteta has been a bit. I don't know if naive is the right word because you know that clip where he's talking to Saka on like the training ground and he's like, the media will put you up here and then like enjoy cutting you all the way back down because that's kind of like, yeah. They build you up and then they can knock you down. Yeah, exactly. The, the the journey upwards and down creates two different tales for the for the press to tell, right? And so Arteta is fully aware. Obviously, he's fully aware of this, but he's fully like understanding of of how the English media works. And yet, like you said, it's manufactured. But he he's he's allowed it to become manufactured with this whole. He's not the number one. But he's been, you know, we don't have a number one, but, you know, he's been dropped and will stay dropped for, uh, I would imagine, the foreseeable, right? I mean, we don't know, but just do you see what I'm saying in, in that? I, I get that you're saying he's manufactured, but I think he's brought it all upon himself. We've sort of been through this before when, when Ramsdale got brought in in the first place and eventually displaced Leno. Uh, a lot of that was to do with Leno's lack of ball-playing ability, uh, even though he was a, in, still is a very, very good shot-stopper. Um, but with with this Ramsdale versus Raya stuff, like I don't I don't know if it will be Raya all, all the way through. Like He didn't have an amazing performance against Spurs, and I think... There were so few goalkeepers that I would have been happy to see come to Arsenal, uh, let's say, instead of Ramsdale. Um, uh, David Rye was one of them. I think he's he's very, very close in Ramsdale's ability. And it it was just it was just such a good deal that I, I don't see how he could refuse it. I, I get that. I do, I do think he is an improvement. I don't think he's that much of an improvement. This is what just baffles no, me. No, I don't, bit, I don't that... either. Okay, part of me, part of me thinks, part of me is kind of scared because it's like you showing a ruthlessness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I feel like I, underst- I understand where you're coming from and it's manufactured by the media. But I think, it, you know, you're, you're giving the media a story to run with and, and go nuts with. I think if you're Ramsdale, surely pretty soon... If you know you you've seen this happen to Leno, like you said, when you came in, and now the exact same thing's happening to you. I just think, why would Ramsdale play? And if the my thinking is why would Ramsdale play, my thinking then becomes why would Ramsdale stay? You know, 
if you want to get if you want to break into that England team England team and crack that position that Pickford's held down, but ultimately it's kind of you're sort of thinking surely it's only a matter of time if if you've got Ramsdale who keeps starting for Arsenal at the top of the table and Pickford keeps starting for Everton down at the bottom of the table, soon that will change. But then that's now been snatched away from him. I, I, if I was Ramsdale, I'd be gone. And it's not to say that you can't deal with adversity or competition. It's just a, a completely different position, being a goalkeeper. Especially being a goalkeeper for a team like Arsenal, or any top six team, really. Because there are only a certain amount of opportunities to make those big saves and things anyway. Right? You're not being tested constantly and things. You're, you need your concentration in, in, in the like clutch moments, if you like. So, yeah, I, I, at first I thought I'm nervous because they're being ruthless and now I'm kind of thinking, mm, actually, are they, are they overdoing it over there at the Emirates? Yeah, I think that the concern is uh, what you mentioned is about Ramsdale's England possibilities. Uh, you would have thought after last season and the season before, to be honest, that he would be England's number one goalkeeper and it didn't happen. Uh, and this is obviously like a really bad sign for... It's not going to help Ramsdale get into the England team at all. Um, but you just look at the end of last season when... if you If you only have a goalkeeper who's a clear number one, then they're undroppable. And Ramsdale at times last season would have benefited from being dropped, like at, at the very end of last season. Uh, so I think that is the gist of it. Like as we get later into the season, we'll, we'll see how the goalkeeper's form go on. Okay. And finally, his point on subbing and wishing that he'd subbed keepers. <laughs> what do you make of that? Do you think that's something that can come into football? Uh, no. <laughs> I just can can we move on for the keeper stuff? I I feel like I feel like this is one of those things that is uh, frustrating for Arsenal fans because it's it's dominating a lot of the discussion and it's exactly the same with the Kai Harvards thing. Is well, that was I what I Arsenal. wanted to move on to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look at Ars- I look at Arsenal uh, after Spurs and there's a headline in the Guardian which is like Kai Harvards is the emblem of Arsenal's like downturn or whatever and it's like this guy didn't start he came on for 20 minutes and you're you're blaming him for this like, and you've not lost a game we've we've not lost I mean it's I think it's a bit of a uh, we're, we're getting back to how Arsenal were which is kind of nice is that Spurs fans are thrilled to not lose and Arsenal fans are gutted at not winning um, uh, but that's but. sneaky of you Sam because there's more context around this Spurs are right to have a feel-good factor and then go to the Emirates and 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 not lose. I think that's com- completely fair enough. But I I wanted to I I wanted to talk about Spurs a lot actually because this is my my first time watching Spurs this season and I've heard so much about Ange Ball and about Adogi and Madison and I was I was shocked at how how bad Spurs were and, and Arsenal were were bad as well which was it was the funny thing is that both. Both teams, it's probably like their, their worst game of the season. But I think, I think two, you know, possession-orientated and, and high-pressing teams can cancel each other out quite easily that way, you know? I don't think that's necessarily anything to judge teams by. 
sorry, I'm coming on and basically just defending Spurs, but I think some I think some defence is required. All right, I'm not going to let you just run run rampage with uh, or run wild with uh, your anti Spurs and pro Arsenal agenda, Sam. All right. Well, I'm not even sure it's agenda based though, because like people have criticised Ange like when he was at Celtic for when uh, they're in the Champions League, just playing the way they always do. You know, they play the same against Saint Mirren as they do against Barcelona. Uh, and I was just watching them in the first 35 minutes, and Arsenal, Arsenal should have put the game to bed. And that was the problem with Arsenal is that um, I, I really love Jesus. I, he transforms the team in ways that doesn't translate when you're watching highlights of Arsenal. The Jay-Z should have I can I can clinical. I can understand that. In the same ways that I spent, you know, years of my life watching own like watching ninety minute performances of Roberto Firmino and not understanding why other people didn't get it just because he wasn't scoring them all. So I can I can understand that. Jesus likes to go in the left uh like the left channel anyway. But uh, we we moved him like even wider just to uh, accommodate Enketia, en- and uh, I I spoke a lot about Enketia in I think January when he was starting a lot that he's not good enough for what Arsenal wants to do, and I think after this game people are th- that's becoming consensus now, um, and it, it, I think one of the frustrating things for Arsenal is there were so many ways that they could have won it, obviously scoring more if Jorginho doesn't make that error uh, for the second goal. But also just the fact that, um, you know, Martinelli and Trossard get injured in a week. Like, you put one of those in for Enketia and it's going to be so much better. Like, Partey's injured and then Rice gets injured at halftime. Fabio Vieira gets injured as well. Like, I think, like, neither of them are in Arsenal's uh, cup squad against Brentford. Um, it It was just, like... If you put any one of those players in, it would have been enough to get Arsenal over the line against Spurs. Um, but do you not think that Spurs showed a certain resilience? A certain, you know, I think they were a bit shocked early on. And look, I I had the game on. I also had the Liverpool West Ham game on, and I mainly focused on that. But it, but so you know, we we preface everything I say is that the right term uh, with that I think something has to I think credit has to be given to Spurs resilience um, I know that that's a a, di- a difficult one to discuss because ultimately if Jesus scores his chance if Jorginho doesn't give it away like you said basically if Arsenal take and remove the chances that they had slash gave out at either end of the pitch, you know, the game was more in the control of our, in like Arsenal's hands than Spurs. I get that, um, but I do think you know credit does have to be given to Spurs that they do have a very young team. They have a quite a fresh team and not not as young as Arsenal's team. Okay, though. but but maybe not as young in age, but still an experience of North London derbies, an experience of you know going. F- through going the distance of a Premier League season and things like that, there are still um, other forms of of um, experience or age that we could that we could look at. You know, this this is a fantastic Arsenal team. All of this isn't to take away from Arsenal. It's just to 
give Spurs some of the credit they they maybe deserve. We don't know where they'll finish this season, and ultimately they have played teams that have been, you know, they've had some a, a bit of a favourable start. Um, but you can't take away from what they've done, and you can't take away from the fact that they've gone to the Emirates and 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 got a result and got as much out of the game as Arsenal after going behind twice. There's still something to be said there. I think there's there's two things at play, which is one is like people people always do resource based thinking basically, and Spurs should have been three 0 down at half time, and then you're not praising Ange, but then it's also the media thing as well. Like I think literally the first week of the season. When, when Spurs won, they were like, could this Spurs team be title challengers? And I'm just hearing so much about Ange. And I'm watching them build up from the back. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing Vicario into the two centre-backs. And then they're playing James Madison as like a half-back, weirdly. Um, and to, to be honest, I don't... I, they've not been doing that all season, first thing to say. Oh, really? Okay. But I, I don't see the... Uh, the thing is, I don't see the difference between... Spurs and Burnley. I mean, there is a difference, but like, yeah, but there's far. Okay, okay. Uh, do, do you see where I'm going? Though? I is see where like you're Spurs? going, but ultimately, Madison, I believe, uh, you know, doesn't do that too much generally. But because of how Arsenal press and how aggressive you are out of possession, and you're probably one of the best out of possession teams out there, I think the thought process from Ange is: look, I don't want to stop us playing, but I need to just rejig things so that a player who is receiving between the centre-backs and going to be under pressure, is a player who is proficient on the ball, very comfortable on the ball in, uh, and, and receiving on the half-turn. And, you know, generally, normally receiving on the half-turn between maybe two banks of four close to the edge of the box and then having to break uh, a line and, and, and find the angle for a pass. And he's decided to utilise that kind of weapon deeper because of where you're you're applying more of your pressure I think you know and, and look did it work every time absolutely not he gets caught on it for for, for Jesus but you know he's th- that's an example of of a, of a bit of a tactical switch that Ange is making I'm not saying it's revolutionary but um, it shows that he was willing to come to the Emirates and you know be pretty bold I think that's an example of him being pretty bold in possession and like you said Maybe that can't be a. Maybe there comes a time where you say you have to say no. We we can't keep doing. It. We're forcing it. We're shoehorning it, and we can't keep doing this. We need to bait the press and then not play into Madison's feet to break lines and and beat the press. But in fact, we need to just bypass it by, you know, hitting that ball over the top. Um, of that first line of pressure. I'm not saying he has to pump it 70 yards, but he could play over that first line from the keeper, I mean. And then you've spun the defence and you're and you're at least running with a bit more space and, and kind of less pressure. Um, but I think it's still an example of Ange um, coming up with some form of solutions to uh, a high-pressing team. This is my point, though, is that it... It, it, he was coming up with an idea, but it just didn't work at all. Like Arsenal's press completely uh, neutered it entirely. Like Spurs could just not play through Arsenal's midfield at all for the start that, of the game. That first half, yeah. Uh, and I just look at, across all that back line, and it's just like liabilities everywhere. Like Adogi was genuinely two out of ten in the first half. He was just letting Saka go around him or kicking him all the time, and like 
that that was that was their philosophy in the first half. It was just to to kick Arsenal. They they couldn't do anything else. So I'm just like I, I'm just like baffled by all I've been reading about Ange because tactically I I don't I don't see it and I don't see why like uh, company isn't really getting praised for being dynamic in the same way. Like the the, the amount well, of because company like, sitting on one point getting... and you say it's results based it's results based analysis, but uh, yeah, it it is. But Burnley have looked fantastic between the boxes, but the decisive moments of a football pitch are in both of the boxes. So there comes a point where, you know, I completely agree that the right principles are going to set you on track to then go and climb up the table or, or be more of a danger or, or however you want to put it, right? Uh, but, but achieve better results, essentially. There has to be functionality within the game within the game as well. Is is I think what I mean. I think it looked clumsy uh, at times from Spurs, and I'm just I just feel like when they play Man City, they're uh, you know they're not going to get the the results that they normally do. Well, they're facing somebody better than Man City this weekend, so uh, we we shall see. But um, who's that? Who is I, that? I feel like you're approaching this as if you're not. Up there with Man City, Liverpool. yeah, maybe because you. I think you're acting as if you should be, or you not really said that you should be getting credit, but we all know that you're good now, right? We all going to be people are actually, and I've even been thinking this, and it's nuts. Or oh, Arsenal aren't as good as last year, you know? Or oh, could could teams get at them, you know? Or you know, are they necessarily? as sort of exciting as and as thrilling as as and sort of complete as they were last year realistically you know you, you you've not even lost a game and you've looked good but because of last year you don't get praise for drawing to spurs at home even though you were the better team and even though you should have run away with it probably even more so because you were the better team and and could have run away with it 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 then gets spun in, into a story of instead of the the focus on the fact that you dominated and and could have been out of sight early on, it becomes oh well <clears throat> they couldn't capitalise and then they really struggled and allowed Spurs back into the game. That's the narrative that then surrounds it, which I'm not saying is correct, but I guess year upon year as teams develop, the goalposts move with that, which is completely natural but is also quite infuriating as a fan because it's very hard to, just as you begin to enjoy it, it starts again. And there's even more pressure because it was good last time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wanted to talk about this actually because uh, I don't think any Arsenal fan is like expecting to win the league. And I don't think anyone's expecting Arsenal to win the league because it's just City as the default. But um... but everyone's ex- sorry, But everyone's expecting you to be the closest challenger. I think everybody at this point accepts that City should be winning the league every year, basically, because of the squad they have, the manager they have, and the money at their disposal. But sorry, but sorry, but 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 I think everyone expects you to be the closest challenger this year. So yeah, people have been saying that Arsenal haven't been uh, to the level they were last season. I think like the points total is basically the same. Um, but I, I found it really interesting, actually, with how Arsenal's games have been, been played. Um, not this Spurs game, but um, 
especially against Forest and Everton, but also the, uh, the other games, two of the other games as well, which I can't remember who they were against. Um, Arsenal had massive amounts of possession. We're talking like 70%. Uh, and definitely with Forest and Everton, we're uh, in this very deep low block. Um, and I think what Arteta might be trying to do this year is trying to have more control over games. Uh, start of last season, it was kind of this uh, organised chaos kind of thing. Uh, letting the players play. Uh, and then with Arsenal's bad run last season when, you know, it was the bottling kind of discussion, um, we were seeing Arsenal just not have control and losing the control sort of around half-time. Uh, and one thing I've noticed this season is that... Um, there's this classic Arsenal thing from last year where we just like do these sideways sideways passes on halfway with the midfielders, and then it would just get intercepted, and we'd probably concede. And I think Arteta is trying to take less risks this season, like trying to be a bit more of the Man City kind of controlling stuff. And that's why Arsenal's chance creation hasn't been very good this season. But I think because of the teams we're playing against that are just going to sit back and let you have the ball is Arteta's got the confidence that the team is good enough to sort of grind out these 1-0 wins. Uh, so I think that's why maybe it doesn't look as exciting as last year, but I think it's just a different approach from Arteta for now. I mean, it it is it, scary. Like, it doesn't feel like we're as good. But the PSV result has made me think, like, maybe maybe we are still as good if we're allowed to, to play how we want. Yeah, I think there's a few big factors that come into this, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there with the... PSV result and the and the sort of parallel there in that if a team is naive enough to go at you and be like PSV I, I haven't even seen the PSV result but I no the, I saw the result I've not seen the PSV game but from things I've read and people's opinions that I've seen it seems like they were pretty naive but not even like I, I suppose not even naive because it's kind of like they knew they were being naive but like we're going to go at you because this is our game and this is our philosophy, you know, and then they end up getting absolutely smacked, right? But, and and I think you're right about the control, you know, because ultimately in a, in a, in a long season, you know, it's control that gets you without just banging on about Liverpool. Klopp comes in, it's heavy metal football, it's end-to-end, it's 4-3 against Norwich, it's, you know, massive score lines, we blow teams away, we get beaten heavily, it's all over the place, it's fantastic to watch, it's not sustainable. We improve and we get closer to City, you know, and, and we go deep into the Champions League and whatnot, and you can see what he's building, but the the thing that changed us into a team that challenged City regularly even to a team that would actually beat City over a 38-game season was the control there, the control of tempo, the control of um, transitions and not actually utilising every transition in, in an attacking sense because all that does is when you, if you do lose it and it's too frantic, it creates one for you to defend against, right? And it's kind of playing in the in the attacking phase like in possession phase and out of possession phase far more and minimizing minimizing how many of those transitions 
are really dangerous. And obviously still trying to capitalise on the ones that you have in terms of counter-attacking, but those short passes of kind of bringing... Those, those short midfield horizontal passes of kind of like setting up rest defence and setting up players in areas of the pitch that, okay, you know, in possession, it doesn't seem like they're actually giving you a huge dynamic, but actually, if the ball is lost in this moment, there's central compactness to go and win the ball back, uh, and it means they can't just run through the middle of the pitch. Uh, and even even the way he started with, like, Thomas Partey uh, right back, inverting, it was like, to me, when I saw it, I... I I thought it was, well, in a negative sense, I was immediately thinking, hang on, what happens? Is there an area to exploit the the switch between party being a, a centre mid and a defender, basically? The the, the, the transition and uh, between having the ball and not having the ball. You know, is there an area to exploit? Much like Fulham did. Look, there's a weakness, but what's the upside that it's giving Arteta? And... It's early in the season. It's going to have a few teething issues, but across thirty-eight games, it's in. It's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how this Arsenal side develops. And to bring it all back, I think you're right in being frustrated about Spurs' praise to an extent, but you have to acknowledge how far you've come, and therefore, not how far Spurs have come, but the excitement for how Spur- how far Spurs could come. And that's not to say they will do what you did last year or ever anything close to it, but they've come from some miserable times under Conte and Mourinho, which even that sounds nuts because they're too, you know, I was going to say highly sought after coaches, but maybe they're not anymore. But two winners, right? Which is kind of where all the problems stem from, we know, but... I feel like I should explain the Ange thing, maybe. It's just because all I've heard this season is about Ange. Like, you know, he won manager of the month. Like, everyone's been talking about Ange as the manager this season. And uh, it, it just really surprised me seeing how they played because it wasn't, a, it wasn't a fully formed, polished product that I thought it would be. And that's why I mentioned Burnley. It's because this same situation. But it would be insane if it was. I get the hype. I get the hype makes it seem like it They're is. They're not challenges, though. But They're not challenges. Yeah, exactly. And 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 still now people aren't saying that. Wait, what do you mean? They are saying they're challenges. Or they're not. Aren't saying they're not challenges. Anyone who says they're challenges of the titles is an idiot. Okay, good. I'm glad we, we agree. I, I just thought they might be challenges based on what people are saying, but, uh, you know. No, no. They've got uh, a, a, uh, yeah, that, maybe we should have gone through that at the start. I think anyone saying the challenges is an idiot. I think anyone, and we shouldn't be getting carried away with them. But we're okay to be a bit excited, and he's still done some impressive stuff. And look, yeah, fine. There were a lot of nearly moments that could have changed everything. Yeah, imagine they don't beat Sheffield, which they were very close to to not doing. Sheffield United, Martin. And then imagine they do just get turned over, and like you said, you're three nil up in the first half an hour. Now this is all ifs, buts, and maybes. I get it, but the point being, they've not been a million miles away from being a disaster either, right? Uh, this is what I was going to say actually about Arsenal before is that there's uh, no one's looked like superstar brilliant level yet even City even though they have been clearly the best team uh, there's been moments but not anymore <laughs> in the first few games with City I was like oh, maybe maybe they're stepping up 
But it's just like Holland's been missing a lot of XG and big chances and all that. Yeah, Holland's uh, been letting them down. Get him out. Get uh, get someone else in. I, I can't even name a backup striker for City. Uh, do they have one? They don't really have any players, but anyway. They'll still win everything. Even the Carabao? Uh, not sure, not sure. Don't know if they'll... They might not win anything because there are the Mighty Reds, Sam. Big Dom's Mighty Reds. Uh, don't... I said... I, my my words to you, I believe, and I think they might have been even been on this. Uh, I think we were discussing the Caicedo thing, the Lavia thing, all of this. And I just said, don't worry about us. We'll be okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember I it. I said, I don't worry about us. We'll be okay. And... Are you worried about us? Um, no. And and we're okay. <laughs> Glad to hear it. So, um, you know. I don't think I've I've watched Liverpool this season. Um, because I know you will, so I don't have to talk about them. Alexis Callas is there as well, right? Basically, if you want to understand Liverpool's season, we have the best group of five attackers in the division. And can't play more though. Basically, that means we can win in anything, and we can have ten men, but we'll still win. We can go a goal down, but it means that we still win, and we can go ten men and a goal down against last season's fourth place team, and we'll still win the game. So. You know, you don't need to worry about us and you don't need to... That was it, wasn't it? No, you don't need to worry about us and we'll be okay because the attack is phenomenal. But not only is the attack phenomenal, the options off the bench and attack are a bit of a joke as well, you know? So, um, yeah, and and then we've got legs in midfield again, which we haven't had, we, we didn't have last year. And we've not really figured out who our deepest midfielder is We've basically gone sod it. We'll play Alexis McAllister. We'll play Macca there uh, because we're just that good. And it's working because the midfielders either side of McAllister are back to pressing very aggressively and, and like basically competing with the most duels, the most presses, things, those kind of stats. They're very high um, in the league. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's uh, it's very very exciting. And Curtis Jones is an absolute revelation. He's first choice now, is he on the left? Well, it's tough because Endo. It's tough to work out. Endo was signed so that McAllister could play as a left centre mid role, and then we were like, actually, if McAllister plays the deepest role and Jones plays on the left, the balance is is pretty fine. Jones is basically the heir to Genie Wijnaldum, and there was a lot of talk for a long time from Liverpool fans. Largely on Twitter. Um, well, no, there was a lot of talk on Twitter while Genie was with us, which was that he does nothing, provides no goal, goals or assists, etc., um, etc. Et then he leaves and everyone's kicking off because there's no... Um, there's no Genie replacement because we obviously... Today we just, just 
didn't I think buy anyone. Didn't buy anyone, and we were betting. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We went ages without buying a midfielder, kind of thing. Really, we just kept playing Hendo, Milner, Fabinho. Jones came in and played more games. Um, I feel like I'm definitely missing someone, but I can't think who. Um, Tiago. Yeah, well, he was signed and then injured a lot, and and so you know there were issues there. Tiago might come in and play the deeper role, and then McAllister goes in, into the left centre mid. Um, but Jones is fantastic, and all of that to say, he just gives the whole team control. He presses like an absolute demon. He's press resistant, and you can basically look back and our unbeaten run of about I don't know seventeen, eighteen games it is now. I think it might be eighteen, nineteen, depending on what happened in this Leicester game. Um, stems back from when Curtis Jones got over his injury issues got fit and started playing regularly yeah I, I did say at the start of the season I put Liverpool in fifth in my predictions and uh, I was worried about the midfield because everything had changed and McAllister looked like he was going to be the sixth and I thought that was his his worst out of the three positions he played for Brighton last season uh, but it just doesn't matter it turns out you're just like winning Winning anyway. It's also been like a bit of a rotating three. Sorry to jump in, and I know I've been waffling away about Liverpool, but I think also it's it's more of like a it's more of like a look. I will usually be the six if you're McAllister, yeah. But ultimately, <coughs> okay. I didn't know who you were being at that point. Like, yeah, sorry, McAllister yeah. will usually be the six, but. <laughs> Sorry, can we do all of our analysis in first person from now on? Yeah, yeah, I think it could be good, hey. And we just don't say who we are, and then you've got to guess who you're who who you're discussing. Okay, but I think I think the idea is, I will always be. <laughs> McAllister will okay, if the midfield is Sobislaw, McAllister, and Jones, which has functioned very well and had nice balance to it. Although I'm sure in some bigger games we'd like a proper six in there, yeah? Because the vast majority of teams, it seems like we can get away with playing McAllister as the six, Jones to his left, who's going to tuck in closer to him and be a little bit more conservative in possession and things like that. And Soberslide is going to cover a huge amount of ground on the right side, okay? That midfield three is functioning well, but also Soberslide if he developed later on in his career and was playing as a six, I wouldn't be surprised. Same with Jones. It, it feels like they're three midfielders who can all who can all cover quite a lot of roles. And even the same with Gravenberg that we've brought in. Um, it, it feels like, and, and even Endo. Endo's a you know the deepest one really of of the group, but actually. I mean, nuts German high-pressing football almost makes them a box-to-box at times at Stuttgart. So I think there's a lot of flexibility in the midfield. I think that's great. I don't think we quite know slash understand what our best midfield is, but we know it contains Soberslein and McAllister, and Jones offsets it very nicely. Where does Endo fit in? Depends on what you're trying to do. I feel like I missed a lot of the transfers, to be honest, because like... um... I think I was away for deadline day. I was just like really surprised one day to see that Mateus Nunes is in the Man City team. <laughs> yeah. like, how did that happen? Uh, he kicked up a stink, basically. And then they put in like a 50% sell-on fee. 
as well. A 50% sell-on fee, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad, is it? Uh, is it uh, profit or... I don't know. Flat fee. Um, okay. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say? Uh, yeah, Nottingham Forest. Do you, I mean, if you've missed transfers, do you know that Devil Karigi plays for Nottingham Forest? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that's a, I don't that's know. a beautiful I don't know. one. Uh, Has he played? Has he's he come off the bench anything? a couple of times. I've been on a Rigi watch, don't worry. But uh... <laughs> You're watching all the Forest games now? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I've watched a few. You, just, I've, uh, I, you only have to tune in for like the last 10 minutes, though, because... Uh, yeah, that's when Origi's time. time. <laughs> okay. That's the main one. Do we have anything else we want to go through? Obviously, Chelsea are a shambles. Uh, do we want to... Also, this weekend, Sam, Liverpool Spurs. Look, we'll see We'll see what they're all about. Uh, yeah, we'll see if you do them. We do... We on a, I said that we're amazing and all this, but we, we we could really do with, like, not conceding first at some point soon. It would be quite nice. Against West Ham, we didn't, luckily. But um... Yeah, I'm already fed up of the Ange uh, mate... Gifts and all that, not gifts, obviously, because it's got sound. But you know what I mean. You know what? That's probably the biggest compliment you can give them, Sam. It's just it should become like it's a dead meme already. Like it was, <laughs> I said I liked it after the t- the two weeks, but it's like every week now he's just sort of saying mate all the time. He's just Australian though. Can I? Yeah, he is. Can I give you a prediction? I'm going to give you a prediction. I think mate is going to go the good evening route. And it's going to start out being a load of fun, and then it's going to not be fun. Wow. It's going to be co-opted by the the dark forces that uh, like to be toxic on social media. I, I was I can see it coming. In the next in the next year, there's going to be a lot of uh, bad faith mating going around. Yeah, not, I could see mating, it. I could but... see that. You know, I could see. Look, I'm not saying things are going to deteriorate or anything like that. And and I think it could take. I could see Ange being the manager there for a couple of years. Yeah, well, I don't think Levy wants turnover anymore. No, <laughs> I think he's just with managers. Yeah. He's got no more hair to lose. But that's what Arsenal wanted with Emery as well. They wanted stability, and it it didn't didn't work. He did two years. Yeah, but Spurs are used to being in the shadow of Arsenal. They can deal with it better. That's true. So I think even, like, realistically, what, if they came... Let's say this season's a bit of a write-off and they do end up finishing seven overall and, and everyone's excited, but they played good stuff, but, you know, it, it just wasn't enough and they got pumped by too many of the big teams and and it was uh, and they come about seventh or eighth. And then next season they do a bit better and they come in, like, fifth or sixth. He still gets another year, surely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, there's too many good teams to be angry about. Exactly. Spurs coming fifth. Uh, and they'd be playing good stuff. They'd be playing stuff that they're happy with, and then it will start to then it will start to run out. That's the truth of it, you know. And then the mates will will become slightly more sinister, and everything will. You it's know. It's going to be Champions League now, isn't it? Fifth. Uh, it's not confirmed yet, is it? It's not, but it probably is, right? It might be as well. Like you can sort of play that card. You're like, well, the uh, whatever lords decide. Who gets in Champions League? What is it like a fair play thing or like a top like a teams legacy? Card? Is it a legacy thing? Are they calling it legacy teams? Is it based on anything? Is it coefficients? It might be coefficient, like... but well, it's not. Well, it's it's coefficient to decide who gets the the places and things, isn't it? But but I believe in the Eredivisie, it's the top three. Who is is the Champions League getting bigger next year as well? 
Yeah. It's partly down to that, right? More than anything, I suppose. But who who gets those slots is down to the coefficient. And I mean, I believe Eredivisie have three... The top three will, will get to the Champions League. But it's because they've been doing well in the Conference League. And I think in Portugal, where they've been doing well in the Champions League, I say well, you know, you know Benfica did, did decently, but they're not like getting to the final or anything. But like, I think it's causing some issues there because you end up with like a like a juiced up coefficient because you're basically I don't know got West Ham doing stuff you know what I mean yes um, I mostly know about this from a football manager thing get your coefficient up in a bad league that's a thing people like to do in football manager like a challenge uh, yeah I'm I'm bored already to be honest it's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's stop talking about that um, <laughs> well you don't like the coefficient yet <laughs> I think you should have coefficient chat every week. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about how the coefficients are doing. What's the Premier League's coefficient? Do you know off the top of your head? <laughs> no, but I'll I'll be sure to have it for next week. What's it What's it measured in? Like, what? 250? Is it that big? Do they go big? I think ours is astronomical. But what what is astronomical? How big are we talking? Well, it's like... Is there it's a like... biggest coefficient? There must be. You must be able to max out your coefficient by getting all your teams really far. Right? I don't think like max out your coefficient is a thing, is it? I'm just I'm just trying to find an okay. interesting angle for the coefficient chat. Take England's seven. Oh, this is back our in coefficient the, oh. is 123. Oh my, I don't even understand England any of must this. Must have so. like 500 coefficients. Coefficient is 123. Have a coefficient of which ranks us 23 or 23,000. See, I've so got here. What to say. England I can't 90, make an average of these 90, five numbers. Then Spain 76, then Italy 73, Germany 71, Netherlands 55. Okay, so we spent way too long talking about coefficients. Uh, it's just the true pressing matter of uh, of the last few weeks. Uh, okay, that was that. That's enough for this week. Um, we'll we'll be back. We'll be back next week, won't we? We'll be or back we? next week, Sam, and also we'll be able to. You'll be throwing out the mates all over the place after the mighty mate. Reds have pulled Tottenham mate apart. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna become a Twitter troll. Yeah, become a set up an account and and spread some post Ange, post Ange, some I don't know, some anti Ange or anti G as you can call it, anti G propaganda. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a minute to realise. Uh, cool. See you next week. Thank you, Toby. See you next week. Bye.